podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Hey, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 8, and we're in a series on following Christ. We're actually, we're actually in, a, in an entire journey of following Jesus. But this series, specifically, we're talking about um, some of the imperatives and some of the nuances of what it means to follow Jesus. And we are identifying particular moments in the Gospels where Jesus uses this phrase, follow me. Last week, we began in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus commands his followers, hey, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of people. And we talked about what it means to care about the things that God cares about, to be on mission with God, and to love all different kinds of people that we found particularly in Matthew chapter 8. There's another moment here in Matthew chapter 8 where Jesus utilizes this phrase, follow me. Caitlin, I'm going to be very, very difficult to follow today. I'm just letting you know. This is one of those kind of like Chris Green style messages where you're like, what is the point? Like, what? There's no like a point one, two, and three. It's kind of one of those circular messages today. But turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 8. Right there in the middle, between all of Jesus's ministry to people and right before he's about to launch into a missions trip with his disciples, he has a couple of guys that say, Jesus, we want to follow you. Now, the interesting thing here is when you begin to look at the language that Matthew in particular uses, he uses a lot of crowd disciple language. And he uses this language, particularly in Matthew chapter 8. And he begins this in Matthew chapter 5, where we see that the crowds are those that follow him up to the mountain. They're listening to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the crowds are people that want to come and get bread. The crowds are around when there's a lot of miracles that are taking place. But Jesus is about to launch out into a very, very important missional endeavor. And he knows that he's going to confront some obstacles and some opposition. And so he says specifically to his disciples, hey, come with me because we're going to go on a special journey. Follow me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Then Jesus saw the crowd around him. And he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. It's a reasonable request. But Jesus told him, follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would breathe upon us today, that you would give us insight and illumination, and more importantly, give us revelation. I ask, O oh God, that by your spirit, that you would breathe upon the text here in Matthew chapter eight. God, that you would speak to every single one of us uniquely where we are at in our journey of following you. God, that you would call us deeper and you would call us higher. And by grace, we ask that you would empower us by your spirit to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back up here very quickly to verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. 
one of the first marks of discipleship is that we posture our hearts to receive orders from God. I think it's one of the things that distinguishes us and separates the crowd from the disciples. The crowds don't have to take orders, right? The crowds, in a lot of ways, are consumers. The crowds follow Jesus on their terms. The crowds follow Jesus when it's convenient. And when Jesus asks something difficult, the crowd holds in their hand the card of their own personal independence and their own personal will. They say, we don't have to cross over to the other side with you. What's in it for us? What are we gonna get out of this equation? You say difficult things. We find this in John chapter six. For those of you guys who are not familiar with John chapter six, in John chapter six, Jesus just feeds thousands of people And then we see a crowd of people following John in John chapter six and Jesus begins to separate the crowd from the disciples and he begins to teach them what it means to really follow Christ. He says, hey guys, listen, if you're gonna follow me, you've gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, whoa, whoa, this is crazy. We're not doing this. And he was speaking of the life and the death and the resurrection and what he provides for all of humanity and like literally consuming the life of God. And they're like, we, we, we don't understand this. We, we, we can't handle this. This is too much for us to try to figure out. This is too difficult. This is too hard of a request. And we find in John chapter six that the majority of the crowd, they all leave right there in one moment. They all take off. Now remember, the crowds follow Jesus at their own convenience. And what... What moves us into, now let me, just stop real, let me just stop real quick and talk about the crowd just for a few more moments. Like the, the people who are in the crowd, they're not bad people, right? They're good people. We might even say that there are many people that are in the crowd that will probably make it to heaven, right? If that's our goal, if that's our goal, if that's all that we really want out of Christianity is to come down, say a prayer, you know, make sure that we've got our ticket to ride, right? And then at the end of the day, we can say, hey, we're, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to take certain aspects of Christianity. We're going to leave other ones out. And, um, you know, when, 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 uh, when the big train that goes up into the sky at the end of life is, is taken off, we're going to be a part of it. We're good, okay? And hey, if you want to be a part of the crowd and that's kind of where you want to stop, I'm praying for you. But what we find over and over and over again, particularly while Jesus was walking the earth and while he was living out his ministry, is that he extends to people the opportunity and the invitation to transition beyond convenient consumer level followership into real discipleship. Real discipleship. Here's some thoughts about real discipleship. Real discipleship is where life change takes place. Life change does not happen on the crowd level. Transformation does not happen at the crowd level. Entertainment happens at the crowd level. Some good fun, some good moments, 
some good memories, some good stories, some good talking points. Man, you guys remember that mission trip? Yeah, that was awesome. And we can talk about high moments, but that high moments in Christianity are not necessarily discipleship moments, right? right. The disciple knows how to live in the valley and still know that God is real, that he is who he says he is, that he is working even when it doesn't feel like he's working. That's discipleship language, right? Crowd language is very simply, God, where are you? You said, and I'm not sure if I wanna do this anymore. I mean, I've had people literally in the, fa- in the past few weeks over the phone say to me, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not following God anymore because I'm in the situation that I'm in and it's his fault. That's crowd talk. That's just crowd talk. And, and listen, guys, let's just zoom out sociologically, right? Culturally, generationally, technologically, we have built an entire nation appealing to crowds. Mass marketing is all about social media. The ads that transaction social media account. It's all about appealing to the crowd. It's transactional. You show up, you'll get an experience, you'll get a product, you'll get a service, it'll benefit your life. And it's kind of like crack cocaine. You do it once, you go give you a hit. I'm not speaking from experience. (laughs) We've reduced discipleship down to the lowest common denominator of ease. How can we make this easier? That right there, maybe not explicitly, but implicitly, the language around church growth essentially is, how can we make this as easy as possible? How can we make sure we don't make anyone feel uncomfortable? How can we make sure that we take away all of the obstacles? That's not discipleship language. That's crowd language. Don't get me wrong. I think there are people in the crowd that may still get to heaven. But Jesus said, those who endure to the end will be saved. He's talking about people that have entered into the discipleship space. Beginning with square number one is, are you able to take orders from God? I mean, look right here again at verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd, he gave orders. That's the NIV. I don't know how any other translations say it. I didn't go that deep. I should have. But honestly, I don't have to go much more deeper than that. Like how many more verbal gymnastics do we have to get around? I think that's part of the problem. Like we try to engage in all these verbal linguistic gymnastics so that we can soften the blow and make this easier. And guys, following Jesus was never designed to be easy. It was never designed to be easy. From the, I mean, like from the horse's mouth. From from the originator and from the creator of what it means to be a Christian. The starting point, the original intent was never, ever, ever set up to be easy. In fact, I find the exact opposite. That Jesus, in some ways, makes it hard to step into discipleship. 
right? Now, he, as we saw last week, he doesn't make it hard to go after the lost. He doesn't make it hard to go after the one, right? There was a shepherd, he had a hundred sheep, 99 were there, they were all good, they're safe, they're having, you know, good church services and one wanders off. And that one is speaking of a lost person that unless someone goes and pursues them, they are not going to know what it means to have eternal life in this world or probably the next, right? Okay, so Jesus, Jesus is all about pursuing people that have never had an encounter with him. This is why we've got missionaries that are going to India into one of the darkest places in the world because they have been gripped with a conviction that there are people there that will never ever know what it means to have eternal life unless someone goes and chooses hard things. But here's why they're going. They're going because Jesus commanded them to go. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to uh, convince disciples to go on mission trips. You don't have to convince disciples to worship a little bit longer. You don't have to convince disciples to tithe. You don't have to convince disciples to forgive. You don't have to convince disciples to have hard conversations that are necessary to be followers of Jesus. Part of following Jesus means we have hard conversations that are laced with humility and grace and love. It's, it's implied. It is implied. And I think what, ha what has happened is over the course of many, many, many years of being served a faux Christianity, a pseudo Christianity, a Christianity light, a sugar saturated cotton Christian crowd Christianity. Then when we start hearing discipleship language, we get offended. If you've been trained to be a crowd member and someone comes and they invite you to be a disciple, you get offended. We get offended, right? Think about that. I didn't sign up for this. What happened to all the antics? What happened to everything's gonna work out exactly as I expected to work? What happened to that message? I like that one. What happened to my best life now? What happened to that? That's not a slam. Listen, no, I'm not slamming anyone. I'm saying here, the version of Christianity that says that you get everything that you want and it's gonna be easy and entertaining and fun, that is not the Bible, Holy Spirit, Trinitarian, Nicene Creed, Christianity that was birthed 2,000 years ago by a man who died a bloody death on a cross and was resurrected by the power of God. That's not that Christianity. And I kind of feel like, you know, we're at the precipice of, of making that choice. Am I gonna stay in the crowd zone? Because listen, when we go to two services and as God continues to, to grow this house, it's gonna be easier and easier and easier to sit in the crowd zone. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's gonna be easier and easier and easier to just kind of like kind of sit in the back. And hey, listen, no offense to those of you who are sitting in the back today. Some of that might be circumstantial. <laughs> right? Figuratively speaking, just, I'm going to sit in the back. I'm going to sit in the shadows. I'm going to sit in the corners. I'm going to not engage people. I'm going to, I'm going to not respond. Okay. That, that's not discipleship language. And I'm not talking about being in a bad spot. I'm not talking about being in a difficult season of life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going through uh, a season where you may need ministry and you may need life and strength and faith pumped into you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the willful conscious decision to not allow Jesus to say hard things to you. To buckle down in your will 
and say, I'm only gonna follow you so far. Maybe consciously you've never thought that or said that, but implicitly that is what we are doing and that's what we are saying when we're not choosing to say yes to God. I mean, think about it, guys. How many messages like this are popular messages? You wanna be a follower of Jesus? Allow Jesus to give you orders. But what about you're a good, good father? (laughs) He is a good, good father. That's why you can allow him to give you orders. Because this good father will never give you a snake when you ask for bread and he will never give you, right? A rock when you ask for fish. I probably got those mixed up, but (laughs) big point is he's not gonna give you bad things when you ask him to give you his daily bread. You can trust his orders. You can trust him when he invites you into, hey, you need to go and you need to say sorry to your spouse because you were acting like a real jerk. That's real talk. That's case study number one right here. And it's in those moments I'm like, can't I just be part of the crowd? I just want to be a crowd member right now, Lord. No, I'm inviting you to be a disciple. I'm inviting you to deny yourself and to pick up your cross and to die to your pride, to die to your arrogance, to die to your stubbornness, to die to your need to always be right, to die to your need to always have the last word and be a follower of Jesus. Because if it doesn't translate in your marriage, friend, it doesn't translate. This, This is easy. This is crowd Christianity. I love Antioch church services, but this is crowd Christianity, guys. Discipleship Christianity is when your son is driving you off a cliff, mentally and emotionally, and you press in and you get on your knees and you say, God, I need a word from you. I need need the keys to my daughter's heart. That's, That's discipleship Christianity. Okay, crowd Christianity is, maybe I'll give, maybe I won't. Discipleship Christianity is Jesus. You've invited me into a life of faith and we don't have, we don't have to gimmick this thing up, you guys. All right? Everybody's got a thousand dollar seed. You're gonna get a hundredfold return. And okay, we don't, we, 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 we gotta do all that. Okay, Jesus has invited us to participate in the economy of the kingdom and it's yes or no. It's you've given me orders and I say yes because I've moved from crowd Christianity to discipleship Christianity. Take a look right here at what this teacher of the law says. The teacher of the law comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. So reminiscent of Peter, right? Peter's like, Jesus, I will never deny you. And as I read that, the phrase, I will, I will, I will, I will, in my own strength and goodness, in my own righteousness, in my own education, in my own ability, I will follow you wherever you I can do this. I can do this Christian walk thing. I, can, I will do this. I will follow you wherever. It doesn't matter. And I'm just reminded that Christianity is a life of response to the grace of God, which requires humility, which says, God, I cannot follow you wherever you go unless I have you. Unless I die to myself, unless I surrender my will, unless I go to a cross and receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I cannot follow you wherever you go. And that's part of the problem is that we've figured out what it means to be a Christian by the culture standards. And we know how to play the game. 
That's part of the problem. I will follow you wherever you go. I'm a teacher of the law. I know the right scriptures to use. You wanna use sonship language, I'll use sonship language. I know how to do this. You wanna clap, I'll clap. You wanna dance, I'll dance. Because I will follow you wherever you go. You cannot follow me to the cross without the grace of God. You cannot die to yourself by yourself. You must have the grace of God and the power of God's spirit that keeps you on a cross when everything inside of you wants to get off. You cannot follow Jesus by yourself. I cannot follow Jesus by myself. It is impossible because this is a life of grace that was purchased by death. It's a life of grace that was purchased by death. And for you and I to say that I can do this without receiving grace is to make a mockery of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, you should have just, you should have just lived forever. You didn't have to go to the cross because I will follow you wherever you go. I can do this. So listen to Jesus's response. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Okay, you wanna move from crowd to disciple? Think about what Jesus is saying. There's three words that came to mind. Comfort, convenience, and certainty. Foxes have holes. Foxes have a comfortable place. Foxes have a convenient, when things get difficult, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. They have a convenient place to get away to. And it's certain but Jesus is saying, if you wanna move from crowd followership to discipleship, you need to realize you are surrendering comfort. You are surrendering comfort. I can't remember when it was that Jonathan said this. It, it, is, it is true, but, it's, but sadly it's true. And what Jonathan said was, we have trained people in America to go to, spa to, to, go to spaces where no one's sitting around me. Why? Because of our... Need for comfort, comfort. Listen guys, that's what I look for when I go to the movie theater. I'm serious. I go on Cinemark and I'm like, oh, no one's sitting there, no one's sitting, I'm sitting right there. And sometimes I'm tempted to buy the two seats on the other side of me so no one sits next to me. I ain't trying to have somebody all up on my ear when I'm trying to watch a movie. But hey, listen, I get to do that. I get to do that in the world. The world invites me to do that. And sometimes I willingly oblige. But we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about, oh yeah, wait, wait. You mean you want me to, you want me to sit like right next to someone that I don't know? And I have to talk to them? And then what we do is we butter it up with all these things like extrovert and introvert and all that. Guys, seriously, you are a follower of Christ. How do you think you're gonna learn how to talk to lost people if you can't talk to your neighbor sitting next to you who loves Jesus? And we have created a crowd Christianity that says if it's not, if it's difficult, you don't have to do it, honey. And that's translated to our parenting but we're not gonna talk about that today. Cause I felt y'all go, oh yes, preacher. Oh yeah, oh no, oh no. I was following you until then. 
Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, you don't. <laughs> Baby, are you okay? <laughs> Overprotected, over-sterilized Christianity. Christianity is not supposed to be comfortable. Following Jesus, listen guys, <laughs> the cross is not comfortable. <laughs> Jesus, you doing okay up there? You doing all right? Hey, let me rub your feet. Let me rub your feet. You doing okay? You doing all right, Jesus? In fact, when they tried to give him an anesthetic on the cross, he refused it. Because Christianity is not about comfort. And guys, we got to check ourselves because remember Romans chapter 12 verse one says, do not be conformed or squeezed or molded into the image of the world. And the world says, it's all about you, baby. The world says, looking out for number one, baby. The world says, yes, be comfortable. Buy more of this, be more beautiful, be more, yeah. You go into spas. Here's the funny thing about spas. You deserve this. You need some me time. You need those hot stones. You know what? You deserve that paraffin wax. Pastor, how do you know all these things? Because I love them. My flesh eats that stuff up, you know, because I deserve it, y'all. That is not Christianity. Christianity is not spa Christianity. Discipleship is not spa Christianity. You're away right away. Can I give you the mint infused herbal tea when you arrive? Yes, you may actually, because I deserve this. I'm a child of the king. Yes, you are a child of the king. But this kingdom is not a kingdom of comfort. This kingdom is not a kingdom of convenience. Guys, listen, two services will be, and it's not, it's not about, I'm not preaching to two services. Two services will not be convenient. It will not be. Going to the mission field is not convenient. Walking across the aisle and listening to someone who's different than you is not convenient. Waking up early to pray for your child's salvation and deliverance is not convenient. Confronting your own personal demons and saying, God, I need help is not convenient. Paying money to go to a counselor or a therapist because you recognize and realize there are things in your life you can't handle on your own is not convenient. Nothing about Christianity was designed to be convenient. I, the, ver the very icon of our faith is a man who died. Execution style. That's not convenient. And there's nothing certain. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of, I have no idea where I'm gonna lay my head down tonight. I have no idea. That's the kind of Christianity that I still, I'm, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Because I like certainty. I like knowing where I'm gonna lay my head down. And more importantly, I like, I like knowing that that bed's gonna be made. <laughs> I like knowing what meal I'm gonna have after service. I mean, it's just, it's just silly. And Jesus says, guys, I don't even know where I'm going to sleep tonight. You want to follow that? You want to be a part of this? Do you want to be a part of this? And so listen, all, uh, hey, listen, Team Guatemala, Eswatini, like I'm just getting revved up because 
I get to say hard things to you. You've given me permission to say, guys, don't ask me where we're sleeping tonight. Don't ask me what we're gonna eat. Don't ask me when we're going to arrive. All right? This is why short-term missions are so important. Because it helps us to confront our comfort, our convenience, and our certainty. All right, guys, what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? Say, Jesus, give me the power to follow you. Jesus, empower me by your spirit to be a disciple. Jonathan, would you come on up, ma'am? I was just getting started. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Can you imagine how offended you would be if you said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I got to go first to bury my father. And he says, let the dead bury their own dead. I think at that moment, I'd be like, man, forget you, Jack. This is my dad. Let's get honest with this. But you know what that man was, was not saying? He was not saying my father just passed away and I need to go to a funeral service. He was not saying that. He was saying, you know what, Jesus, someday my dad's gonna pass away and I'm the eldest son and I'm gonna wait here indefinitely. I am gonna suspend following you and I'm gonna put it out there into the ether of the unknown. Say, someday my dad's gonna die and at that moment, whenever he passes away, then I'm gonna revisit. And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, there is a striking moment to make a decision to step into discipleship. Windows of opportunity where Jesus comes and he says, you can follow me. I know we like our numerology guys, but there actually could have been like 13, 14 or 15 disciples of Jesus that were like in the in crowd. Opportunities that were extended. So today my prayer for all of us, as we come to this table, is we come and we receive grace. We come and we receive grace. Or we say, Jesus, would you help me be a follower of Christ? I wanna transition from the crowd to discipleship. I don't want convenient Christianity. I don't want comfortable Christianity. I don't want certainty Christianity. I want Jesus. I want your commands. I want what you think is best. I want what you think is right. Friends, will you stand with, your, with me to your feet this morning? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, our Lord and Savior who gave his heart and his life and his closest intimacy and his closest vulnerability to another group of men and they betrayed it. On that very night, he took bread. It was a loaf. It was symbolic, it was prophetic of his body broken for the life of the world. And he says, friends, this is my body. And it's broken for you. It's broken for you. It wasn't preserved. It wasn't sustained for you. It was broken for you. Take it and eat and receive the life of God. Then he took a cup and he says, guys, this cup is prophetic and it is symbolic of my blood that is gonna be poured out for the sins of all humanity unreservedly, unashamedly. My blood is gonna pour out of my physical body but that blood is gonna be the necessary ingredient to heal the virus of sin that is in the heart of all human beings. Take this, drink it freely and receive life-giving power to overcome 
clutches of sin in your life. That didn't come easy. And every time we come and we take this meal, it is a definitive declaration of discipleship. I will follow you, Jesus, by the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit of the living God, would you come today and would you breathe and alight yourself upon uh, the, the bread and the cup? Would you be unto us today, Holy Spirit, strength and grace and conviction and revelation and life and power? Would you be unto us today, Holy Spirit, as we submit our lives to body and blood, broken and shed, fill us today with grace and strength to be followers of Christ. In Jesus' name, friends, I invite all of you to come and receive from the table of the Lord today. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.